It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for february 6 2008 welcome to the program we this hope- is actually february 7th it is february 7th <laughs> well i'm a little bit ahead of time uh, there uh welcome to the program thank you for keeping an eye on me there dad welcome, yeah. welcome to the program tonight thanks jacob good to be with you we always enjoy the thursday night uh, virtual bible study and we thank those who listen and participate glad you're out there and we would like your participation tonight at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com are the ways you participate live on the program tonight and we're looking forward to your comments. We have an important subject tonight, uh, Dad, that uh, sort of has been a recurring theme on some of our email communication with our listeners. We want to talk about uh, choosing a mate tonight, a very important subject. Yeah, I think so. And as you said, Jacob, we've had this this uh, request uh, more than once, so we thought it was worth talking about. And uh, we hope that you'll get involved. <clears throat> Let me ask the two questions that we sent out earlier today because we think that uh, – you may not have yet had a chance to respond. If not, please send us an email. We asked two questions. One, rank the three most important characteristics that one should look for when seeking a mate. And number two, what's the biggest mistake that people make that can lead to choosing the wrong mate? So those were the questions we sent out earlier today to our update list. If you have not yet responded, we've got several responses, but if you have not yet responded, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or you can get on the phone and call us, 1-877-381-4567, toll free. Again, 877-381-4567. Give us an answer to those questions. What's the three most important characteristics in order that you're looking for when looking for a mate? And what's the biggest mistake people make when choosing a mate? All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts over the phone or over email tonight. You mentioned that it is a question that we've had uh, multiple times from our listeners. One of those questions being uh, we received just this week or last week, I believe. And uh, this emailer says, I'm interested in knowing and what to look for in a mate. Obviously, a Christian is important and has to match my personality and be physically attractive according to my own standards. In parentheses, he says, I hate to say that because it makes me feel like a jerk to say that looks are important. I would love to hear the topic of relationships discussed and what to expect in marriage and how to maintain a godly Christian marriage. So I thought that was a good topic and want to consider that tonight. Yeah, that's sort of the one that touched this off. Uh, We had had an email that we've been holding. That listener is obviously single, so he's interested in making the right decision. Exactly right. Then we had another email uh, that we'd been holding a while from a listener here in Tennessee who said, uh, I recently learned that a relative has taught his children this in regards to dating. Quote, we have always raised our children with the understanding that dating was not going to be a part of their social life. We wanted them to grow up with purity and innocence. Part of the plan was to not date or be alone with members of the opposite sex. We were trusting that when the time was right, God would provide a mate just as he provided a sacrifice for Abraham. Can you tell the ridicule we have received? I can't tell you the ridicule we've received from other people over this. And then then the emailer goes on. He says, not only have his two oldest sons not dated, the sons also want their first kiss to occur at the time of their marriage ceremony. The curious part of this is that one of the boys just met a girl three weeks ago uh, who basically thinks as he does, and they are already engaged after only three weeks and soon to be married. He doesn't want to be alone with his fiance so as not to be tempted to do something wrong. He wants someone with them in the same room at all times there together. Would it be possible to have a virtual Bible study on what to teach our kids regarding dating and finding a future mate? And so there again is that question, and we want to try to deal with that tonight. And then goes on to ask, and we might want to get some pointers from some of our listeners, what to teach them about the proper way to date, what are some of the rules to help ensure they aren't tempted to do wrong, what are some guidelines we need to teach them to use when dating. 
So a couple of questions there that have introduced the theme that we want to deal with tonight, Jacob. Basically, we want to talk about the question, uh, what would be the three most important things to look for in choosing a mate? And on the other side of the coin, what would be the biggest mistake to make when choosing a mate? All right. Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you participate on the program tonight. Our first uh, question that we read from tonight, Dad, was from uh, someone who is single. And uh, I sense a little bit of frustration in that singleness that uh, he's you know, a little bit anxious about finding that that right mate. But don't you think that's typical? Don't you think that people who are wanting to find a mate are anxious about doing so, yeah, frustrated and not finding the right person and so forth? I think so, but I think we need to be reassured of some things, uh, some fundamental principles in the Scriptures. First off is we need to be content with whatever situation we find ourselves in. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul was an expert on that, and he said he would learn whatever state he was in there was to be content uh, I don't think that being single is an excuse to be discontented with your situation in life. Sir? I think I think that's a good point. We need to stress contentedness what, in whatever state we're in. Right, and uh, you don't have to be married to be pleasing to God, and that's something we can take confidence in. Uh, Paul said that there were certain times it would be not good not to marry. So certainly yeah, being married is not a requirement to be pleasing to God or to be all you can be or to, to be the perfect servant to God. You don't have to be single and have a family. I mean, be married and have a family. You can be single and still be uh, excellent servant of God. I think those are good points, Jacob. And and you you made passing reference there to what Paul said in First Corinthians seven, beginning verse twenty five. Let me read that. Let's let's make a couple of points from that. First Corinthians seven, beginning verse twenty five. Now concerning virgins, I suppose therefore that it is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. He that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married care for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that she may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Now, what Paul was saying there, and I think a key part of that passage as we've studied it is where he says it's the present distress. We know Christians of that era were facing lots of persecution. And he said, in this time... He said it would be better not to be married than to be married. And then he goes on to point out that, you know, if you're not married, you don't have to worry. You just don't, you know, and if they're going to come and persecute you, if they're going to come and threaten you, you don't have to worry about it. But if you were married, had a wife, maybe had children, then the persecution arises. You've got other things to, to, that, that are a concern to you. And, and so he, he was making these observations in reference to the present distress. But the point of it is, he said, here's it would be better not to be married than to be married. Under certain circumstances, it would be better not to be married than to be married. Now, And I know one of those circumstances is you haven't met the right person yet. It would be better to be not married than to be married. Exactly right. Take Generalize the principle. Now, we're not facing persecution like Paul was facing persecution or those early Christians were. But the, the, to generalize the principle, he states there, it would be better not to be married. There, there are times when it would be better not to be married. And as you said, Jacob, it'd be better not to be married than to pick the wrong mate and be married to the wrong person. I don't know how many times I've had occasion to talk to people who have basically said, boy, I made a big mistake. I would be, it would have been better if I'd never married than to be married to, in this situation. And also, Paul uh, also gives us another principle there in that passage. And he, the principle that he states in that passage is that there are advantages to being single at times. There are unique opportunities you have as a single person that you do not have as a married person, and you need to use those opportunities in the Lord's service. And so our listener that emailed in looking for a mate, um, my advice to him would be use the time you have as a single man to be serving God in ways that you may not be able to serve him when you're married. Exactly right. So there's, there, as you said, Jacob, I think there's a, a general frustration of people who are looking for a mate maybe having some lack of success in finding such a person be content and remember that it's better it would be better to never ever be married than to be married to the wrong person that's right be happy while you're single enjoy that time you know you may not get married till you're 40 years old 50 years old that has happened wouldn't it be a shame to have been miserable for 50 years of your life waiting to be married waiting to serve God as you think you can when you're married and not served him as you should for 50 years. What a waste of your life. Be content where you are, like Paul. Be content in the state you find yourself in and use that time as an opportunity to serve God. What are your thoughts about finding a mate? 
picking a mate, what are some things you should look for in a mate, and what are some mistakes to use as you uh, to make as you look for a mate. We want to hear those thoughts on the program tonight at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, you know, we one of the things we've been uh, trying to promote the last few weeks on uh, our website is a new means of communicating with us. We've put a link up there on the page that you went to to click onto the program tonight. There's a there's an orange button. It has a rather weird name. It's called My Chingo. That's a commercial service that we're using that allows you to record on your computer an audio message, and then it comes to us through an email link. And we can play it on the program. And we've been trying to get somebody to be brave enough to, to, to attempt that. And we've got a taker this week. Our friend Jim down in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, has sent us a, an audio message. So here's the first. Jim makes uh, virtual Bible study history by being the first to send us an audio message through that link. And we're, let, let's, let's get his. You put th- the pressure on him here. Yeah. The first one ever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here it goes. What are the three most important characteristics that one should look for when seeking a mate? I think it would be godliness, honesty, and friendliness. And then secondly, what is the biggest mistake that people make that can lead to choosing the wrong mate? I think it's when you base your choice on physical appearance alone. This is Jim Walsh. All right. There's Jim's comments. Thank you, Jim, for those uh, comments, your participation tonight, and for being the first to use that audio comment feature. His fingers are happy that he used that uh, feature. Yeah, tonight. he didn't do all. He didn't have. To, Jim often sends us uh, email comments, but think of the time he saved there by using that audio link, and we appreciate him for being the first one to be brave enough to try that out. Basically, what Jim said, and I think we're going to see this theme throughout a lot of the comments we're getting tonight, Jacob, is you got to find a godly person. That, that, you know, that has spiritual priorities. And the, and the other side of that is you're going to make a huge mistake if you're using other, uh, uh, principles or other worldly uh, principles, worldly principles, other characteristics. You know, he said the big mistake would be to base your decision purely upon physical appearance. And, you know, a lot of people do that. I, the people of the world typically are exclusively doing that. And uh, that that's not going to be successful at all. All right. So good comments there from Jim. Let's take uh, some comments uh, from a listener here in Columbia, Tennessee. Three most important characteristics that one should look for when seeking a mate. Uh, number one, they should be God-fearing. Your potential mate should be God-fearing. Number two, should be respectful to others. And number three, should be humble. So good a uh, list of things there to look for in a Christ, look in a, in a mate, God-fearing, respectful to others, and humble. What's the biggest mistake that people make that can lead to choosing the wrong mate? Not being the best person you can be will cause blind spots in you, and you will be blind to things in the other person that you would otherwise see. That's an interesting comment. Yeah, let's let's look the the, the first part of that. The, this this listener says, "Be God-fearing, respectful to others, and humble." So, in other words. First priority, put God first in your life. Secondly, treat others the way they should. You know, if, if I follows what Jesus said, exactly, it? you know, love God. Uh, for the first commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Second commandment, love thy neighbor as thyself. That works. That fits right in. But then he says, uh, the, the says, be humble, God fearing. Number one, respectful to others, humble. You know, if 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 I see in a person. I'm looking for a mate, and I see in a person, first of all, somebody who doesn't care for God, who doesn't care about the things of God. I ought to to run the other direction. First, huge, big red flag. Secondly, if I see that person not treating others in a respectful manner, not not showing respect and kindness and courtesy and just general goodness toward other people, if they're not good toward other people, they likely won't be good to me either in the long run. Now, you know, anybody can put up a false front temporarily. And so in the and and typically speaking in the courtship phase, people are going to try to have their best foot forward. They're going to try to be making themselves look as good as they possibly can. But if I see, if I can see that this person doesn't treat others with respect, then I can be pretty sure that person ultimately won't treat me with respect. And thirdly, if they lack humility, and humility would 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 be the kind of thing that would even be willing to admit when they're wrong, make changes that are necessary. If I see that they're proud and arrogant, they think they're right about everything, never wrong. That's another. Those those would be three 
huge problems. So I think this, this emailer is right on the mark. God-fearing, respectful others, and humble. All right. Excellent comments. Appreciate now, those. The, the, the other part there, Jacob, what's the biggest, biggest mistake that people can make that leads to choosing the wrong mate? Not being the best person you can be will cause blind spots in you. You'll be blind to the things the other person that you should otherwise see. I think that's exactly right, too. You know, one of the important things to help me choose a right mate will be me being the kind of person that I ought to be. Uh, because if I'm the right person that I ought to be, then that will put me in environments where I'm likely to be with the right kind of people. First uh, Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good morals. If I'm not a good person, then that means I'm going to be running probably with a crowd that's not very good. I and got priorities that aren't in line with what the Bible says. Yeah, and then likely that's going to be the the uh, the pool of acquaintances from which I choose my mate. I'm asking for trouble. So I need to be a good person, associate with good people, and that's going to help me be in a situation to be able to find a proper mate. All right, excellent. Thank you for those comments tonight from Columbia. And we're looking forward to your comments. Why don't you get in line during the break? Join in on the phone at 877-381-4567. 877-381-4567. Surely you have some comments along these lines. If you're married, what kind, what kind of characteristics did you look for? If you're single, what are you looking for in a mate? Let us know on the phone or over email. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but he's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study on this Thursday night. And we're looking forward to your participation in the program as we talk about choosing a mate and the importance of that and some things that we should be looking for in a mate and some things we should be careful about as we choose a mate. We want to make the right decision. And so we wanted to ask you what would be some uh, some criteria that you would use to look for a mate that would be wrong and ill-advised. Let us know your thoughts. Jacob, we've uh, uh, got an email from from uh, Jason in Pennsylvania. And uh, he says, I'm a single guy. The things I would look for in a potential mate would be, one, most importantly, will she help me get to heaven? Two, can she be my best friend? Three, does she possess a humble spirit? Four, does her attitude make it easy to honor and respect her? Uh, Five, how does she handle conflict? Number Uh, six, can she count? <laughs> we that's asked, five. That's right. We asked for we asked for three characteristics, and Jacob uh, Jason had to give us five. That's great, uh, and they're all that's great. great. Yeah. I, I think that's great. Uh, I th- I like the way he worded the very first one. Will she help me get to heaven? You know, that sort of encompasses everything. Obviously, that would be a person who fears God. Uh, that's a person who has high spiritual priorities. Uh, that 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 has a personal commitment to do what's right, and so forth, and so. That that statement is a is a really good one. Will she help me get to heaven? And uh, and anybody who's looking for a mate needs to take that to heart. And 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 instead of just using the you know that that should not just be a trite phrase. That should be a literal sort of 
test that you apply when you're thinking about this person as a potential mate, is that a person who will help you get to heaven? Basically, is that a person who's going to help you be the kind of Christian that you ought to be? Certainly. Imagine if you had to live with someone who on a daily basis was trying to prevent you from serving God as you should. That thought alone should frighten you enough to make sure that you want to pick a mate who will help you get to heaven on a daily basis. Right. Uh, he mentioned several things there. Another one that we should comment about probably, but uh, I mean, uh, is point five. How does she handle conflict? How do I handle conflict? How do we mutually handle conflict? You know, one of the things that we need to anticipate in, in any relationship is that there are going to be conflicts. That goes to the fact that none of us are perfect people. Uh, we've, we've all got our, our faults and flaws. And so we're going to have to work through certain conflicts and, and troubles. And so in the courtship phase, one of the things we need to be looking for, is this a person who handles conflict well? I got a good friend up in Indiana, Bob Hines, preaches up in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And a number of years ago, he wrote a little article that I have kept and reused in bulletins frequently. <coughs> Excuse me. He called it premarital wallpapering. And the point of his article was a lot of people in the modern world think that what you have to do before you get married is live with someone to see if you're compatible. Basically, what they're talking about is living together and having sexual relations, committing fornication to see if you're compatible with one another. And in the article that Bob wrote, he said, listen, if you want to know if you're compatible with someone, the way to do that is not by what the modern world says. He's the way to do that. He says, wallpaper a room together. He says, slop wallpaper paste all around and get in each other's way and observe each other's work and, and get frustrated and, and out of sorts and then see if you can still maintain a proper disposition to one another and act proper. I thought it made a really good point. Well, the handling conflict is about uh, being humble and uh, respecting others and loving God and following his plan for dealing with those conflicts. And so that was all wrapped up in that, that personality that we're looking for. The person is uh, trying to be pleasing to God by following his will. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And that's right in line with what Jason is saying here in his email. He makes a point that we had not included in our questions. He says, you know, characteristics to look for in another person. What about myself? He says, I need to see if I'm ready to be looking for a mate spiritually, financially, etc. You know, I think that's a wise, mature thing to say. You know, maybe I'm not ready yet to be married. Maybe I'm not the person I need to be yet. Maybe there's things I need to accomplish uh, spiritually, maybe some maturity that I need to develop uh, to be able to be the kind of person I need to be as a mate to someone else. I think that's a pretty shrewd observation. I appreciate Jason bringing that up. That's my advice to those who are single is you be the person that you need to be. You be the the, the Christian that God wants you to be. And when that right person comes along, uh, there will be a magnetic attraction there. If you find uh, a person who is the type of person that you need to be looking for in a mate and you're the person that God wants you to be, that person will automatically be attracted to you because of their desire to find the person that you are. That's right. In other words, you, you make your, you're going to make yourself attractive to the right kind of people by being the right kind of person yourself and by growing, maturing spiritually. Uh, that's going to, that's going to put you in a situation where you're ready to be finding a mate. And on the kind of the, uh, the reverse of that is true as well. If you are what God wants you to be, those uh, less desirable marriage candidates won't be attracted to you because that's not the kind of person they're looking for either. Exactly right. Um, Jason goes on in his email says, what's the biggest mistake that people can make that leads to choosing the wrong mate? One, it's easy when you fall in love not to listen to the advice of other people that care for you when it comes to the potential mate. They may see some red flags that you may not. Make sure to listen to other people, family, close friends, etc. Um I think that's a, a really good point, too. You know, I ought to I ought to listen to other people. I, I especially ought to listen to the Word of God, but I also ought to listen to other people who have a more objective uh, viewpoint than I have. You know, the old expression is somewhat true, love is blind. And so I fall in love, and I become blind to the faults and flaws of this other person. But maybe somebody close to me, a family member, a friend, a brother or sister in Christ, sees these potential dangerous things and 
can warn me of them, and I ought to be attuned to that and pay some attention to that sort of thing, you know. Uh, so I think that's really good advice. And if you fail to, to listen, you're making a big mistake there. And listening to that advice should come from those who are older. We need to not fall into the same trap that Rehoboam did in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 8, where he forsook the advice of the old men and uh, followed that of the young men. As we uh, ask for advice, we ought to look to those who are older and uh, those who have been married for some time to help us to know if we're making the right decision. I think that's exactly right. Then Jason goes on and says, you make a mistake if you think you can change the things you don't like about a potential mate. You know, that is, and I, I think we've got that comment here from some others, Jacob, thinking that you can change. No, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this person. Yeah, I admit that they are not everything they ought to be. And I could even, I could even list some of their, some of their problem areas, you know, but I, I believe in time I can bring that person around. I believe I can make them a better person, a better individual. That is typically a huge mistake, and most people who've made that mistake will tell you you can't do it. Yeah. If they're not already showing the kind of traits and characteristics that they ought to, then they're probably not going to. They're not going to change you. I mean, excuse me, you're not going to change them. They may change you. I heard an illustration once. Uh, 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 this this young lady was thinking of uh, – uh, marrying a fellow who wasn't a very good person, wasn't the kind of individual he should have been. And, and so uh, I don't know whether it was a, the story was told us, whether it was a parent or the preacher at the local congregation, who it was, but they, they set this young lady up on a table and they said, now pull me up to you. Well, she couldn't do it. But with a very slight tug, he was able to pull her off the table. You know, it's, it's easier to pull someone down than to pull someone up. And, and, that that kind of thing needs to be remembered when you uh, begin to say, I, I believe I can change this person. If they're not willing to change while you're courting, they're not going to change. They're As we said earlier, they're putting their best foot forward while you're courting. And if, if they're not changing then, they're not going to change later either. And, uh, and another thing to be cautious about, to thinking about you could change certain things, and just because a person is a Christian claims to be following God, if there are problems in their life and they're not serious about being a Christian, what makes you think that being married to them is going to somehow change that? If they're not serious about being a Christian and serving God with all of their heart, with all their mind and their soul, what makes you think that uh, they're going to change? Yeah, now, there's exceptions to that. There might be somebody, you know, there there might be. In fact, I think I've noticed some cases of someone who wasn't what they should have been when they were married, but their mate was consistently the kind of Christian they should have been. That's certainly and true. They, That's a possibility uh, uh, that the Bible but, allows for. Yeah. First Peter chapter three, the apostle Peter suggested that a wife married to a husband who wasn't a Christian might be able to win him by her life, by her example. It's, and I've, I've personally known of examples where it happened, but those are the exceptions rather than the rule. The rule is you're not going to change them. Now, there may be an exception to that rule, but the general rule is you probably won't change them. And so be aware of that and don't make that mistake. And then Jason mentions one more thing. Uh, he says rushing in. Another big mistake would be rushing into this. You know, we just one of our questions that led to this discussion, somebody engaged after three weeks and ready to marry in a couple months. That's rushing. You know, you, you don't know that person well enough. You haven't seen enough of them to be able to make a decision to say, that's the person I want to be married to for the rest of my life. You need to slow down. Don't rush into that. Well, and uh, there may be some people who would disagree with that, but uh, there are also those who have made that speedy and hasty decision who have, have said that they would not do that again in the future. Uh, that it was an unwise thing. Again, I've known of exceptions. Uh, we had some friends, an older couple, and I think they married after knowing each other for two weeks. They, they've been married for 50-plus years and have had a happy life Certainly, together. Exceptions That's though. an exception. But the rule is that'd be a big they mistake. They probably wouldn't want their kids to do the same <laughs> That's thing. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, Jason makes some good uh, comments there. He says, hopefully I'm wise enough to listen to my own advice, and it sounds like he is. He's got some excellent advice there, and so Jason's trying to make the right decision. Thanks for your email, Jason. All right, it's time for a break, and we'll look forward to your comments during the break. And during this break, Dad, we're going to introduce a new feature on the program. Yeah, we're going to try something new. Uh, we're going to call it uh, this week's bullet point, a little quick little blurb, and see if you can learn something from it. All right, but don't forget what we're talking about, and use this time to get your thoughts together to join in on the discussion on the other side. We'll be right back after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. 
Stock market investors have been nervously watching the daily news reports to see how their investments are doing. Even a slight increase or decrease in points can sometimes mean a gain or loss of thousands of dollars. And so those with money invested are very interested to know the latest market trends. While stock market investments can be a helpful tool in building up financial wealth, the scriptures teach us that our most important investments ought to be in a different realm. Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. The reason for this emphasis on heavenly investments is obvious. Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verse 21. We need to realize that having our treasures laid up in heaven has advantages now as well as in eternity. Not only will we reap the reward of a heavenly home forever, but we will also benefit in this life. If our investments are in spiritual things, we'll have a great ongoing interest in them. Just as a stock market investor watches the market closely, we will carefully watch how things are developing in our spiritual lives. There will be a tendency to do the things that will increase our heavenly stock, and we will be on guard for anything that could threaten our eternal well-being. And if we should begin to struggle in our service as Christians, others will be able to call us back by reminding us of our investment. Hebrews 10, 32-37. So, Christian, how are your investments? Think about it. That's this week's bullet point. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the program tonight. And we're looking forward to your comments on the program as we talk about choosing a mate. And we want to make sure as we choose a mate, we understand the importance of that. And so we want to be prepared to make the right decision and so this program is uh, devoted to those who are still single dad, but hopefully there are lessons for, for all of us uh, tonight on the program. I, th- I hope so, too, and I think it's a very important discussion, and we're glad that uh, we've getting some quite a bit of participation, Jay. We want to hurry and get in all of these comments that we're getting. In answer to the question, our friend Chris out in Lexington, Tennessee, has written, what's the three most important things? He says, looks, brains, and money. <laughs> <laughs> then he says, just kidding. The real answer is Christian, 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 everything else can be worked out. That's an interesting way to put it. In other words, if a person is a Christian, a faithful Christian, a determined, devoted, dedicated Christian, then you're going you're to have a basis for working things out. If, if, if you're married to someone who's not a Christian, if you would consider marrying someone who's not a Christian, you're setting yourself up for disaster because they're not operating by the same rules you are. You're playing by two different rule books. You're a Christian and that person's not, and they're not devoted to try and work things out as you are. So they need to be a Christian. You get it. That that's. I I think that you know, as Christians, we ought to be looking to marry Christians uh, simply out of common sense considerations. It's going to work better. It's got a lot higher probability of success than if we don't. Well, I knew Chris about the time that he was married, and I know that his wife wasn't choosing her mate based on his money. <laughs> we were poor college students back in those days, but uh, certainly it is important uh, uh, that uh, we do not look at those things. And then his answer to question number two. Yeah, his answer to question two, he says the biggest mistake you can make, he says, go back to my first response, choosing based upon looks, brains, and money. Yeah, yeah that's right. But that's now those are the criteria that the world considers – and it, look at the look at the divorce rate. That's a disastrous plan. I think Chris is right on. Appreciate his comments tonight. Thank you, Chris, for joining in on the program tonight. Uh, Jacob, in line with that, boy, I don't know. We're probably opening a can of worms here. But Pat down in Harvest, Alabama, has written in with just one verse, First uh, Corinthians nine verse five, and he and that verse says that the Apostle Paul is talking. He was talking about his right to be married, as other apostles were. And he says, "Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas?" Now, I think that probably what Pat's suggesting by that is he may be taking the position that a Christian can only marry a Christian. I think some people have that view, and perhaps Pat is is suggesting that view. Uh, another verse that's sometimes used, although I think it's wrongly used, is Second Corinthians six verse fourteen, where it says, "Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers." Uh, that context is not exclusively talking about marriage. In fact, it's not talking about marriage at all. I think it would be possible for marriage to amount to an unequal yoke. That's one of the reasons why we're suggesting you got to be really careful about the one you choose as a mate. 
But the passage in 1 Corinthians 9 at verse 5, Paul says, I have the power or authority to lead about a sister, a wife. And the deduction that that some make from that is that he's saying his authority was only to marry another Christian, not to marry a non-Christian. I've never taken that view. I'd be willing to hear more about it. And if somebody's listening and wants to, to, to get into that a little more thoroughly or if Pat wants to write in some more, we'll try to deal with it either now or on a later program. One of the problems I would have with that is, let's say that I don't do that. Let's say that I that I violate that instruction and I end up marrying uh, someone who's not uh, – now that person's an eligible marriage partner in regards to the fact they've never been married. They're not an unscripturally divorced person and so forth, and I marry them. Now what am I going to do? I'm married to someone, and, and I'm rightfully married to someone, but this verse said don't do it, and I did it. Am I going to divorce them? What am I, going to do? I think that there, there's several complicating factors to that position, and maybe we'll have to discuss that more thoroughly on another program. But that that was uh, Pat's email from Harvest, Alabama. And, you know, I think uh, we could say it like this. If being foolish is sinful, then it certainly would be wrong to take uh, a wife who is unbelieving. It is certainly a foolish thing to do and very unwise, and we need, would need to definitely be careful about that. All right. Uh, thank you, Pat, for those comments tonight. Jack says the three important, three most important characteristics must be a devoted principal or a devoted disciple who is committed to the Lord through his or her actions, prayerful, studying the scriptures, teaching, giving for man, one who has set his sights on being an elder or deacon one day. Okay. So something a, a, a woman ought to look for is someone who is uh, spiritual goals in their life. Yeah. Is this, is this a person who would be such a devoted Christian that he would have that as a desire on his part. That would be a, that would be a, a really good indicator. So I think Jack is right there. All right. It says he says that a person needs to be excited about marriage and family and will do all that is possible to keep and maintain a solid family unit. That's important in the society we live in. Uh, most of the people in our society today are not devoted to marriage and want to make sure that they have a strong family unit. And uh, third, he says that person must be unmarried, either a widow or a widower. Or uh, we would add another characteristic. I don't know if Jack would, but we would say that uh, that person could be put away for the correct reasons. Well, here – well, I'm not sure you said that right, Jay. Oh, not put away. They could be divorced. They could have put away their wife. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, So basically what Jack is saying is an important characteristic. We haven't dealt with this yet, but an important characteristic that you've got to have is that this person is an eligible marriage partner. That ought to be first consideration. I mean, you should even look at someone that's not. I mean, you should even you should not even inquire further or think more about a person who is not eligible to be married. And an eligible married partner would be a person who is having never been married, having uh, lost a mate to death or one who has put away an unfaithful marriage partner and therefore has a scriptural right to remarry. But they got, they got to be an eligible person. They have to be eligible for marriage before I should consider marrying. I know people, I've known of people who got involved dating and so forth with someone. And they said, well, I know we could never get married because, you know, of this problem or another. And my response is, well, why are you dating them? Dating is a, is 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 the search for someone that you could rightfully be married to, and if you know that you can't be rightfully married to this person, why would you even start down that road? That to me is just folly. But I think that's a great point that Jack brings up there. All right, Jack, thank you for that. And then he says the biggest mistake to make: marrying someone with the hope of changing them. Change is an individual action. The only real change is a spiritual change, turning your life over to God. That takes a commitment. One must pay careful attention to all the signs to fo- find out. How a person will behave in the marriage. The signs are always there, but often neglected. Too many times, someone will say that they didn't know their mate was going to act a certain way. They knew, but failed to take it into consideration. They didn't heed the warning from the Word of God and godly counsel from others. And so Jack's comments, again, echo those we've had before. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, I think you're right on the mark, Jack. Thanks for your comments. Got an email from our buddy Preston down in Valdosta, Georgia. Hadn't heard from Preston in a while. Preston, we're glad you're out there on the virtual Bible study tonight. He says, uh, l- let me get his answers to our questions first. What are you looking for? What what three important characteristics? One who will help me go to heaven. One who wants to play her role in the family. Sweet. Cooks good, he says. Then he says, 
that that's the, the he just joking their way a man's heart's through his stomach he said and then he's and then he says the mistake that you could make not willing to sacrifice for the other person or they aren't willing to sacrifice truly love one another i think that's a, a a big red flag that preston mentioned there you find a person who's selfish unwilling to 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 give of themselves to accommodate the other person walk away run away from a situation like that. So I think Preston's right on. A person who is selfish doesn't have God in the right place in their heart, uh, and it's demonstrated by the right. way they treat others. And, you know, as as marriages progress, I think what you usually find, if there's a marriage in trouble, marriage problems at their root are caused by selfishness. Husbands or wives or both being selfish leads to all kinds of problems in marriage. If you find that person is selfishly inclined while you're dating Run away from that situation. Okay. Preston has another question. You want to take that now or you want to keep that to the end? Well, go ahead and read it there. All right. Preston's question is, when it comes to choosing a mate, when we disagree on a subject like marriage, divorce, and remarriage, or just controversial issues like that, how much should we deal with that before we realize that we aren't a good fit? Well, I think it's wise to deal with those things. In other words, if we've got doctrinal differences, then, you know, let's study about them. That now, will help you determine if if they got a right heart. That's right. You know, if we're studying with them, but they're just completely disregarding sound scriptural arguments that should change their mind, then they're unwilling to change their mind when I'm presenting to them sound, logical, scriptural arguments, then that's telling me something about their heart. They don't have the kind of heart I'm looking for. And so that I think a, a, a mature person would say, that's not going to work. That's that's not the right person I'm going to look. I'm going to keep looking. But the person doesn't have to have everything figured out before we would consider dating them. I think you would agree with that. Exactly. Uh, But uh, maybe they are misunderstood on a certain subject and it'd be an excellent time to study with them to find out what their heart is. uh, So we know what kind of person we're dealing with. So thank you for those comments. Preston, it's great to hear from you again, buddy. Hang on out there in the virtual Bible study. We need you in our audience. That's right. Thank you, Preston. Uh, Yvita in Jackson, Tennessee. tornado area over there but she's still online so we're glad to hear from Yvita says uh, most important characteristics is the person must be a Christian must be unselfish echoes what uh, what Preston said there and uh, understands the seriousness of the commitment being made to the success of the marriage and so thank you Yvita for joining in tonight biggest mistake she goes on to say biggest mistake is thinking you can change that other person we're seeing that as a recurring answer and I hope that all People who are listening tonight, who are who are looking for a mate, will take that to a heart. I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of these comments that are a lot of people making this comment are people who are married and who have seen the disaster of others who married and said, "I could change him, I can change her, I can make him a different person than they are already." If they're not changing while you're in the courtship phase, and as we said several times tonight, they're putting their best foot forward, they're trying to make an impression, and. If in that phase they are unwilling to change, then they're not going to change. You're in trouble. You need to you need to really seriously think about that. And I, I think that that uh, is sound warning and needs to be heeded. Um, okay, let's hear your comments. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview dot com. Got an email from Arthur in Cullioca, Tennessee, who just gives us a scripture reference about Isaac and Rebecca, Genesis twenty four. Beginning verse 63, Genesis 24, 63, Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said to the servant, What man is that that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now, this is talking about the love that Isaac had for Rebekah. You know, there's an interesting point, I think, to be made there. They didn't go through a romantic courtship phase. They met and married, but Isaac loved her. In other words, true wedded love is not the, the gooey emotional feeling that a lot of people are looking for. It's a, it's a deeper and more meaningful and more devoted emotion than the kind of thing that often happens in whirlwind romances and courtship all right and uh there's we see some uh some chastity there she cover herself and uh there was some propriety in that uh arrangement there as well all right and uh 
Certainly, the way she rode that camel must have been attractive. <laughs> <laughs> you see her coming on a camel. Yeah, you're you find a woman joke. riding a camel, you ought to marry her. <laughs> All right. Thank you for those comments tonight. All right. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're talking about choosing a mate. And we're looking forward to your discussion tonight. Jay, we're getting a lot of comments. We want to try to get everybody in. We appreciate everybody who's participating in the virtual Bible study tonight. Remember, the address is questions at collegeview.com. You can call us. We haven't had any phone calls tonight. Then we've got a toll-free number, 877-381-4567. Give us a call. We'll get you right on the air. Uh, and uh, you can still send us an audio message. I don't know if we'd be able to handle that at this late moment to get you on the air now, but uh, don't forget that audio link on our website. All right. Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee, says to question one, the three things one should look for in a mate are they must be a faithful Christian that is at church every time the doors are open and lives like they claim to be. Number two, they must be you must be naturally attracted to them. Not with the lust in your heart, but genuine attraction. And number three, pick someone who is uplifting to be around, not negative all the time. If the glass is always half empty to them, they may not be a good candidate as this might cause conflict later. All right. And question number two, the biggest mistake that people make in picking a mate is allowing the lust of the eyes to pick for you. You must pick a mate using your heart and your soul because once the new of this person's beauty wears off, you're stuck with what's left which may not be what you expected. Okay, I think that's I think that's a a worthy point there. You know, if you if your decision making was based purely upon physical appearance, physical appearance changes over time. I don't I don't want to, you know, I don't want to discourage anybody, but you're, the woman you're thinking about marrying, she's going to look different 50 years from now. The guy you're thinking about marrying, he's going to look different 50 years from now. And if you're if if your relationship was totally just about physical appearance that's going to wane in time well let me read brian's uh, comments from plainfield indiana he says the biggest mistake looking only skin deep we as people tend to get older fatter balder etc in other words we generally will not look in a few years like we did on our wedding day people mistakenly think that physical attraction equals love while it's important to find your mate physically attractive one cannot base their entire marriage on it Exactly right. I think Brian is right on, and I think Keith as well. We appreciate those comments. Uh, that's a big mistake to avoid. Brian says the things that we should look for in a mate, one should look uh, at whether he or she has a fear of the Lord. One should look at whether he or she practices self-denial, more willing to serve others before themselves. And one should look at whether or not he or she is hardworking spiritually and physically. That's a new one we haven't had yet. But I think it's a good one. In other words, if you... Basically, if you find that this person has a lazy disposition toward physical things, that's going to cause problems. You know, they tell us that the, one of the biggest problems in marriages is arguing over money and and the conflicts that they can raise. If a person's lazy and won't provide, especially if a man is lazy and won't provide, or if a woman is lazy and won't do her part in, in maintaining the home, 
that's going to cause trouble. So I, that's a red flag. That's important to remember, too, that the woman has work to do as well. Yeah. Men need to look for that in a woman as well. Exactly because right. Because a woman has an enormous through, role in ma- maintaining the house. Through the years, I've known marriages that were in trouble because the wife was lazy. She wouldn't do her part in keeping the home, as is her God-given duty. And and that causes strife and, and so forth. So you see them physically lazy or spiritually lazy. Spiritually lazy would be the idea of just not wanting to do what needs to be done in serving God. Then those would be great red flags. And so uh, Brian has suggested look to see if this person is a hardworking, has a work ethic sort of thing. And I think that's a, a really good observation. Brian, thanks for those comments. Second tonight. Thessalonians 3, verse 10, if any would not work, neither should he eat. And uh, if that if, person, he, if, he, if any would not work, neither should he be married. Or should you marry him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. We we appreciate those comments, and I think they're right on. I, it's it's interesting that although a lot of the comments we've gotten tonight, Jacob, have been similar, uh, there have been a lot of little shades of additional information there that I think have really been helpful. I really appreciate all the good comments tonight. We've got an email from Don in Antioch, Tennessee, who says the three most important characteristics. Now, this is really interesting the way he's written this, Jacob. He says, number one, should be of the opposite sex with no unscriptural divorce. You know, that all, that sounds humorous, that you should be looking for someone of the opposite sex. It seems like you shouldn't even have to say that. But obviously in the world today, where one of the the, the current cultural debates is whether there should be same-sex marriage. You know, you'd think you wouldn't even have to talk about that. But obviously in the world today, that has to be pointed out, that, that uh, homosexual marriage is... Well, that's an oxymoron. That's not even that's not even a a, a reasonable thing to, to put together those two words together. Well, it's unfortunate you have to mention that. It's also unfortunate you have to mention the no unscriptural divorce. But that even seems like a minor thing in our society, unfortunately. But yeah. certainly, uh, we don't want to marry someone who's been unscripturally divorced. As we said earlier, and I think maybe the simple way to put this is: this person that I'm thinking about as a mate has to be a an eligible marriage partner. In other words, some are disqualified by virtue of the fact that they have been unscripturally divorced. They don't have a right to remarry. Now, we've studied divorce and remarriage before. We can study it again. We probably need to study it again on a program. But the Bible is very plain as to the ones who have a right uh, to be married. And and of those who are divorced, the only ones who have a right to remarry are those who have put away their mate for the cause of fornication, Matthew 19.9. And so that has – I mean, and if this – if you're looking – uh, for a mate, and you are considering this person that they are divorced, but it is not in lines with what the Bible teaches, then get out of there. Don't don't uh, don't be in that situation, because the longer you continue to court that individual, the harder it will be for you to say, "Well, uh, I, I'm not going to marry him," or the harder it's going to be for you to say, "I'll get out now. I'll get out later." You, you just got to leave that. Don goes on to say, second point should be a Christian of the same belief. Uh, well, I think all Christians should be of the same belief. I mean, in other words, I, I don't want to leave the impression, well, I'm a Methodist, so I need to marry a Methodist. I'm a Baptist. I need to marry a right. Baptist. We've, we've talked many times on the virtual Bible study about denominationalism. They need to be a Christian. The Bible defines what a Christian is. That's who you're looking for. And then number three, should agree that the wife should stay home with the kids. Um, we've talked about women's roles before. And we could probably talk about that more and probably should. But I think the thing that, that we want to stress here is that a, a, if a man, when a man's looking for a, a, a mate and there, that, that woman should be such a one who is willing to assume the woman's role in marriage, which includes being a keeper at home, Titus two, five, raising their children, loving them. Uh, and you know, if, if, this woman, as a man, I'm looking for this woman, and she doesn't have that willingness to submit to God's plan for her role in this marriage, then, again, that's not that's not what we're looking for. All right. Top three mistakes that Don noticed, not discussing and prioritizing the important issues such as faith and raising kids properly. Number two, to think you can change the other after getting married. Again, we hear that. Uh, many times tonight is certainly a good comment. Number three, having the attitude that if it doesn't work out, then just get a divorce. You know that that last point that Don mentions that we're we're hearing more and more about that. People entering into marriage with the idea if it doesn't work out, I'll just I'll just you know toss in the towel and go look for a different mate. Let me tell you something: if you go into marriage with that mindset, 
I can almost guarantee that the marriage will not last. If you're going into it anticipating failure, you will fail. You've got to go into marriage saying, I'm committing myself to be married to this person for the rest of my life. And that's that's the, the kind of commitment that God wants. God's plan for marriage is one man, one woman for life. That's his that's his rule. There's a slight exception in regard to divorces. We talked about Matthew 19, 9. But the rule of God is one man, one woman for life. And you need to enter into your your marriage with that commitment and conviction. All right. Thank you, Don, for listening tonight and for your participation in the virtual Bible study. Well, we've looked at some things tonight, Dad, that are important to remember We've got another couple comments there. I don't think we've taken either of those. Uh, yeah, I think, we, let me look at this one here. we got uh, our, our friend Kent from down in Jackson, Tennessee. Kent, by the way, you mentioned the tornadoes in Tennessee. Kent was real close to the big tornado that took out Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, and we're glad that Kent and his family are safe. And his computer didn't get blown away, yeah, so he can listen to the virtual Bible. Apparently he's still online. And he says, answer to question one, what are you looking for? Top three uh, things. One, love and fear of Jehovah God. Two, spiritual long-term goals. Three, cooks good. <laughs> and then he says, seriously, teaching family and others to put God first. So uh, that's what uh, all, all three of those things are things that we're seeing as recurring uh, themes in, in these answers that we're getting tonight. And then Kent says the biggest mistake you can make, looking for material prosperity to fulfill their lives. In other words, you know that's not where happiness mar- that's not where marital happiness or personal happiness comes from jesus said in luke chapter 12 verse 15 uh, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the ab- in the abundance of things which he possesseth we got to be careful about that. That's not the route to happiness. And it'll ruin a marriage as well as ruin a lot of other things as well. But many families are basing their marriages on uh, that very concept of having material prosperity, and that defines their marriage, and certainly there is not true happiness there. All right. We got an email from Tanya. I think Tanya's out in Oklahoma, Jacob. Is that right? That is Oklahoma City. Uh, and she writes, it can be and has been frustrating at times for me as a single Christian. I've been a member of the Lord's Church for over three years now, and I do have a desire to be married to a faithful man. Before I obeyed the gospel, I had a very feminist view of life where a woman doesn't need a man at all. Of course, my heart is softened in many ways, thanks to God. During this time of learning, I've come to understand that the marriage relationship is one of servanthood, serving one another in love. I do now desire to find a mate that is right for me. I have had a, have had to examine my life and see where I need to mature and grow in, as a, grow in Christ as an individual first. As a single, I find that I have more time and money that can be used to help others more readily than those with spouses and children to support. I realize that my time won't be as flexible in the event I marry and have a family of my own. Singles can help with the with giving the elderly widows rides to services, sharing money with those in tight spots. There are more opportunities out there than one might think. I have my flaws, and God is still working on me. Thanks for the topic tonight. You know, Tanya's comments there, Jacob, go along with what we were saying right at the start of the program. If you're not married and you're seeking a mate, that's fine, but you got some things you can be doing right now and should be. And it sounds like Tanya has that focus, and we appreciate yeah. her for that. She's using that time to make sure that she's the person she needs to be, and she's using every opportunity she has. Again, she realizes there may be some unique opportunities she has as a single person, and she's taking advantage of those at this time. And, Tanya, we appreciate you for that. All right. Well, it looks like we're up against the clock, Jacob. We appreciate uh, lots of good responses tonight. This was a, obviously a theme that uh, sort of – uh, touched a, a chord there and a lot of people wanted to participate and we're glad for it. We appreciate everybody who's taking time to be a part of the virtual Bible study Certainly, tonight. Certainly, we appreciate your comments tonight. And Dad, it is a good discussion. You know, I think the number of comments that we got on the program indicate how important a subject this is. It is very important that we make the right decision as we choose to make. Exactly right. Now, I, I would go back one more time uh, to what we said at the start. It would be better never to marry than to marry the wrong person. And if you don't think that's so, talk to someone who's unhappily married, and they'll tell you so. Certainly so. Thank you for the comments tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. Enjoy the virtual Bible study. We'll look forward to another one next week. That's right. And if you have any comments about this program or any program that you've heard from the virtual Bible study, take a minute and send us an email or send us an audio comment from our website. Let us know your thoughts about the virtual Bible study. And as tonight, we we took a question from one of our listeners. We'd be glad to take any of your suggestions for future topics 
on the Virtual Bible Study. So if you have an idea for a Virtual Bible Study, let us know. We look forward to talking with you next week on the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.